0: Thank you so much, Christian. I want Christian to always introduce me because I feel so important. And uh, that's amazing. Christian, wow, well, what a heart. And it was really neat to have the team there just the other day and see them work. And you know, you never know somebody until you see them fight. And uh, I got to see Chris Bowers without a shirt. There were all kinds of. Ex- Where is Chris Bowers right now? Where is he hiding? Oh, there he is. Yeah, I don't recommend that if you can avoid it, but uh, no, it was just great. And we want to thank you because you all have done so much for us. And I I mean so much. I don't even have the words to say it. But more than that, you have heart behind it because Jason knows he was on the field and people send you money and they have no idea, no interest in who you are. They just send your money and you kind of get checked off on the list. Not Trinity Wellsprings. Trinity Wellsprings actually remembers when something is wrong. They actually remember when we have a problem. They actually remember when our kids are sick. They're actually concerned. That's you, and we want to thank you so much. You have no idea how much that means to us. 17 years, we've been basically out of the loop. A few of those years we were in Naples, Florida, but most of those years we were right there on the field between Nicaragua and Guatemala, and you get forgotten about. You lose your friends. You lose so many of the people you love because you just kind of lose touch with them, and it means so much to us. And thank you for sending us Becca Bowers. Becca is awesome. Give Becca a hand. And, uh, wow. And not only Grandma, Grandpa, Mom and dad, brothers and sisters, but Jason's vision too to raise up your own missionaries. That's phenomenal. And I hope you'll really go for it. I hope you really will make that an, uh, even more of a priority than you're already doing because there's nothing like having homegrown missionaries that you know who help you do what Jesus has told us to do and you can actually be involved with them and know who they are and what they're talking about and they can come home and tell you about it. So thank you so, so much. Now, I could go on. I've got to have the rental car in by 7, so I promise we'll be done by 330 But um, here's what I want to say. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but the world has gone nuts. I mean, it's gone absolutely nuts. I'm afraid to even turn on the computer or open up my phone in the morning and see what's happened in the night. I've gone from remembering when I was a little child, we used to have these nuclear uh, race drills. I don't know if when you were in elementary school, they would blow a siren in our elementary school and they'd tell us to get under the desk. Now, I'm still a little bit confused about who came up with that because having seen a little bit of footage of what happens during a nuclear explosion, it probably wouldn't matter if I was under my desk or out on the playground on the monkey bars, would it? And sometimes I think that the world would like to put us under the desk when we probably need to be out at recess running around. And it's easy to get stressed. It's easy to be consumed by all of the bad, negative news. I have begged my 94-year-old father, Dad, please turn off the TV. For the love of all that's holy, turn it off. <clears throat> because Every time I see him, he tells me how bad things are. And I said, I know. And he just loves to watch it. But we get consumed. So I was really thrilled when I heard that you've been going over identity. Identity, identity, identity. Who am I in Christ? And you say, well, that that seems so basic. You know, it's the basic things that really foul us up. It's the really basic things that we forget or that we assume or that we're not tracking with that can really, really mess us up. Silas, who was just up here with my wife, just had an asthma attack because he accidentally got exposed to a cat. And he's really allergic to cats. And the sad thing is, Jason, he adores cats. And so, wow, it was something so simple, but it was something so problematic for us. The identity that we have in Christ is so important. You know, some days you wake up and you feel like, well, we're on the precipice of annihilation here. There are mad men and mad women running the whole whole world. What's going on? What are we going to do? That's when we look back and we say, "No, I got to focus even more on who I am and what I'm doing and where I'm going and why I'm here." Because I was born with a purpose. I was born with a reason to live. I exist because God wanted me on the planet for something and to be somebody. And it's really important for us to remember that because there are all kinds of people who tell you every day one or another, you don't matter. Your voice doesn't matter. Your heart doesn't matter. Your life doesn't matter. You're a big zero, and I want to tell you, you're not a big zero to God, or else you wouldn't be here. If you knew all the things that God had to do just to keep you alive during the night, and some of you are fighting with everything in you to try to kill yourselves with what you do, I saw my wife out on the board behind Chris and Wendy's boat yesterday, and I'm like, she's 44 years old. What's she thinking? She's going like this behind the boat. And I got video of it because tomorrow when she can't walk, I want to show her that video. And she's complaining when she got out of bed this morning. She says, oh, my neck. I said, that's where it starts. It's going to work its way all the way down. But some of us were trying to do ourselves in. Now, you know, Jesus gave us some pretty amazing instructions. I mean, we got a book full of them, right? We got a book full of what he said, and he gave us his opinions and his thoughts, and really the way it is. I think that's what it is. I think that's the way it is. But I say his opinions and thoughts to make people think about it a little bit more. And he said, one guy comes up to him, a scribe. Now, scribes were sort of the lawyers of the day, very educated and entrusted with all important things there that had to do with the law. And the scribe came up, and he said, hey. Jesus, what's the most important commandment of the day? What's the most important commandment of all? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your soul, mind, and strength. Wow. They, they must be Presbyterians, Jason. They know it. And uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And love your? As yourself. There is no greater commandment than these that's interesting because we tend to think the greatest commandment is to love god but jesus right there without even taking a breath says and love your neighbors yourself And these there's no greater commandment than these it's to say that in that moment obviously we are to love god but we are to love our neighbors that makes us all missionaries You say, I'm not a missionary. Well, yes, you are a missionary. Maybe the geography is different, but what actually gets done is the same. Because we're working on the same Jesus principle. We're working on the principle of I have to love my neighbor. That's who I am. I'm a lover of God and a lover of my neighbor. I'm in this world because God wants me to love him and because God wants me to love my neighbor. Now, that's really, really easy to do when you have, for instance, a Chris and Wendy Bowers. Chris barbecues me a steak. Wendy bought me a cake. I love them. I mean, I'm a full-figured man. When you give me food, I just like you. I don't care who you are. You feed me, and you feed me steak and cake, and I'm going to love you till the cows come home. Never did know what that means, but I hear people say it. And uh, so they're easy to love, but there's other people who are not easy to love. Have you met those folks? I mean, they are not easy to love. And I had an experience. I was watching a video the other day, and it was just... Curiously, about a week before we got on the airplane to come here, and it was a a, a flight attendant, and she was telling everybody uh, how awful it is to be a flight attendant, and honestly, I would guess it was awful. No one would have to tell me. Uh, I've seen what they do. I've seen the mood people are in. I've probably been that guy a time or two, Drew, and it just looks like not a fun job, which sort of begs the question of why would you pick? that job. But that's not the question of the day. So I make up my mind the next time I'm on a plane, I'm going to be super nice to all the flight attendants. It sounds like an easy goal, doesn't it? Except that our flight attendant was Satan. <laughs> I walk on the plane and there's a very nice flight attendant. She says, good morning, sir. And I say, good morning. How are you? And she says, I'm going home. This is the last flight I got to do and I get to go home. I'm so happy for you. I'm so thrilled. We are going to try to stay out of your way. I have three boys and I promise you, they are going to behave. Don't worry about us. Because when they were little, we would actually find them four or five rows ahead of us. They've crawled under the seats and doing things like throwing dirty diapers and all kinds of things. But now that they're bigger, we don't have those same sorts of, we're going to stay out of your way. And right beside her was the knot so nice flight attendant I said and how is your day morning I said I hope you have a good day too and I go and take my seat and we're there and I had a lot of coffee because in Guatemala we have a lot of good coffee and I realized man I have they turned off the light bing bing I run back to the bathroom and I think to myself I'm ahead of the cart service this is a good thing and I don't know the bathrooms are getting smaller I can't even turn around in there and my clothes are getting smaller and my wife had the nerve to say she thinks it's me, I'm still growing. But I think things are shrinking. I don't know CB, I think we're in a world of shrinking things and so I am all done and I wash my hands and I, you know, you take out one paper towel and a hundred fall out and you can't wash your hands in that sink without getting water all down you and everybody thinks you had an accident in the bathroom and I finally got myself all together and I get ready to get out and the door won't open. It'll open about this far. And so I think, well, that's really weird. There must be somebody standing on the other side. Probably everybody drank too much coffee, and they're all running back to the potty like me, you know. So I close the door, and I wait a second, and I open it again, and the mean stewardess, I the flight attendant, is there. Her face is in the door. The cart is here. Okay. I shut the door, you know. And I think, now what does that mean? The cart is here. Do I have to wait in here until we land? (laughs) I've done that before. I one time went to Honduras on a missions trip and was in the bathroom all the way from San Pedro Sula to Miami. Is that what we're talking about? And I really, if we hit some turbulence, this could turn into not such a pretty thing. And so I think to myself, no, I'm not going to do it. And I open the door and I said, I'm so sorry I'm messing up. You know, I'm remembering the video. I'm so sorry I'm messing you up, but I really would like to come out of the bathroom now. I don't think, I'm platinum, Jason. I don't think that's too much to ask to be able to come out of the bathroom. But even if I wasn't platinum with American, I think that I would be able to come out of the But, but anyway, it's okay. So I, so she says, not yet. I close the door. I turn around a couple times. I'm looking Smoke detector, I'm tempted. I want to make that thing go off. I'm trying to center myself. You know, I don't want to get on the do not fly list, so I'm centering myself. And I'm, I'm in there, and I'm praying to Jesus, and I'm like, Jesus, we're coming out of this bathroom. Well, I don't know how. And I open a door, and she says, yes. I said, I just need to get back to my seat. Like Clint Eastwood, I said it. I just need to get back to my seat. And she moved the cart bang the card into the other flight attendant, and let me go to my seat. I haven't had that much trauma in a bathroom since the last time I went to Taco Bell. (laughs) And I am still a nervous wreck about it. I am scared to fly home on Thursday. When When they're hard to love, what do we do? It, it, it really, it, it's hard for us. Robertson McQuilkin says you've got to stay in the center of biblical tension because obviously we can't love everybody if they won't cooperate with what we're trying to do. But that's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why we have the Word of God. And that's why we have the church to help us filter through, okay, I can only go so far with this person. They don't want to go there. And God's going to have to fix that, and that's where I need my church family, and that's where I need my discipleship, and that's where I need my Bible, and that's where I need the Holy Spirit to work on me. Because Paul said, it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He wants to work through us. You know, Jesus said something fascinating. He said everything he said was fascinating, but particularly fascinating in John 13. A new commandment I give to you. Now imagine, this probably blew the minds of a lot of people He says, a new commandment. Oh, there he goes again. It's Jesus. And the Pharisees and Sadducees are thumbs down. A new commandment I give to you. Love one another. How? This is the part I wish he hadn't said. Love one another as I have loved you. Oh, Jesus. Did you have to say that? I mean, did you have to say, as you have loved us? Because how has he loved us? Well, his love is a committed love. Say that with me, committed love. Our identity is an identity of committed love. He gave his all. He gave everything. All that he was, and all that he is, and all that he will be, he died on the cross for you and me. And I know that theologically, you know, we talk about reconciliation and propitiation and forgiveness of sins and atonement and a whole number of really cool theological terms, but really, what was Jesus doing on the cross? Jesus, at his worst moment in his entire existence, was loving his neighbor. Wasn't he? You remember there were two rebellious people, one on each side. And one was uh, really cooperative with Jesus. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And the other guy just kept going going and going and going and going and going. And he wouldn't stop. And yet Jesus was loving his neighbor. It's a committed love. Our identity is an identity of committed love. We have to love even when it hurts. We have to give our all until God puts on the brakes and says, okay, you did what you had to do. I'm not saying you should love everybody indiscriminately, even people who are hurting and abusing you. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is the love of Jesus that has been shared with us is a committed love, and as I have loved you by this, all people will know what? That you are my disciples. Wow. Without ever saying a word, by just seeing their love. You know, it, it, it's, it's hard for us. It's hard for us. When I was dating my wife, our first date was in Nicaragua. And, uh, you know... Nicaragua is a, is a very poor country, and her, she's from Nicaragua. Her family's from Nicaragua. She was raised in the States, but she was born there. And I just met this girl, and I was 32 and single, and I just said, I got to marry her. She's the one for me, you know. So she says, hey, let's take my dad's truck and go out on a date. And I'm thinking, da, hubba hubbada. This is good news. So her dad's truck, I mean, the thing barely ran, it overheated, it was a disaster, and we drive, and I think she's taking me down to the beach, and I bet she's going to make googly eyes with me at the beach, and this is going to seal the deal, this is going to be it, you know, this is going to be awesome. And so we start heading down to the beach, and she says, stop, and I said, is it overheating, is the truck overheating again, or what's the problem? No, she said, this is where we're going. I said, this isn't the beach. She said, why did you think we're going to the beach? I said, never mind. I was practicing for marriage, Jason. I just say, never mind. How many men have said never mind already this morning once or twice to your wife? Don't put up your hands. There will be no lunch. So she gets out of the truck and she opens these two huge metal doors. And it's a dump. There's garbage. In the middle, it's burning. It's on fire. It's uh, something I've never seen before as an American. And my wife walks t- toward the middle of that thing, which is on fire, and out of all the corners come running these little kids. And they're like the kids you'd see on TV. They've got the distended bellies because they've got parasites. They've got no shoes. Their feet are all cut up because they're in there searching for something to eat or something they can sell to the recycling guy and they're, they're just, they got lice, you know. And my girlfriend, now wife, goes up and she just hugs them and they say, Tanya, Tanya, Tanya. My mom is a nurse. And all I could hear my mom saying, norovirus, rotavirus, hepatitis, <laughs> lice. It's all gonna come apart. Now, at the time, I'm a BMW driving condo living Tarpon Springs kind of guy with my khakis. And I had a, what we might call a crisis because I had lots of paper on the wall and I had what I said was a committed love for Jesus, but I didn't know what to do. And they came at me when they got done hugging Tanya, and they wanted to hug me. And I'm clean, buddy. I mean, I got more soap in the bathroom than the ivory people. I mean, I got soap. And I got down on one knee, and those kids hugged me like I've never been hugged before. And I want to tell you about the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus is a humble love. Because if you look at Jesus and you look at the New Testament, you'll find out Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And yet this King of kings and Lord of lords comes to the earth... And is willing to bow his knee and suffer for 33 years on the earth to talk to us, to teach us, to reach us, to love us, to disciple us, to hug us through, and to give us hope. This Jesus is a humble lover. So not only is God's love a committed love, it's a humble love. Now we live in one of the most narcissistic societies in the history of the world. Don't we? I mean, I have never seen such brash arrogance in my life. I can't, I'm just a farm kid from Illinois. I grew up in the back of a cornfield. When I was 14, my parents moved to Fort Myers, and I'd never seen a boy with long hair and earrings in all my life. I thought the world had ended. And I'll tell you what, as I come home, every time I'm home, I'm absolutely horrified about how narcissistic our society can be. And our society says, me, 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 and more me. And don't you dare try to stop me. And yet Jesus says, love, 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 love. It's a committed love. It's a humble love. It's the kind of love that we have to come and accept in our life day by day so we don't fall over the precipice of what the world is trying to get us to do. It's not wrong to have nice things. It's not wrong to have a big bank account. It's not wrong to have a beautiful car and home. It's not wrong at all. What's wrong is when you forget to bow the knee to what Jesus is doing. And it's wrong when we don't bow the knee to what God is doing. You know, so what is me being a missionary have to do with you being a missionary? Well, it's geography, isn't it? The people that Tanya and I are ministering to, we have a sports minister to reach young kids from the beach, which our beach is just a a trashy environment, horrible drugs, uh, drug lords, prostitutes, uh, just every imaginable ill is there. Tanya has a ministry in the dump to reach women and children in the dump, and I reach first responders. I have first aid and CPR and trauma classes for all kinds of lifeguards and police officers and firefighters and public servants and that kind of stuff with the goal of reaching them, but they have such needs. Some of them don't eat. Some of them don't have medicine. Some of them can't get to the doctor in the women can't get to the, pedi- the uh, uh, gynecologist and the kids can't get to the pediatrician. And it's terrible. And you say, what's that have to do with me? Well, the obvious link is your prayers and your money. But that's not what I'm saying today. What I'm saying is you're actually a missionary, but your mission field is different. You see, I was pastoring for a little while trying to plant a church in Naples, Florida. Have you ever been in Naples? I mean, they got money. And if you don't believe it, just ask them. (laughs) About 50% of the people got a lot of money. And the other 50% are pretending like they do. But you know what I found out in Naples, Florida, and maybe Satellite Beach is a little bit like this. I'm not sure because I've only been here for a little while. And I was just with Chris and Wendy and Jason and Christian and Drew and those guys. And we were partying because it was my birthday Friday turned 26. (laughs) What I found out is in Naples, Florida, they look like they got it all. But as Zig Ziglar says, they have houses but they don't have a home. They got kids but they don't have a family. You see, they're depressed and they're sad and they're angry. And they're frustrated, and they're jealous, and they're envious, and they're hopeless, and they're despondent. And they don't know what to do because you can't say in Naples, Florida, I have a problem, I need help. You've got to put your nose up just a little further and pretend like everything is okay. That's your mission field. Because we like to pretend like everything is okay. Okay. And our houses are a wreck. Our marriages are a disaster. Our debt-to-income ratio looks like the government's. We're in trouble. And that's your mission field. When you can go into a dark place, that home that is falling apart, those kids that don't know what a dad is. That mom who so desperately needs help. That grandma and grandpa that are suffering. And you know, there are, there are senior saints who are drug addicts. Did you know that? That's a whole thing. And you say, oh, nobody in my area has needs. They have needs. They're just different than what I got to deal with in Guatemala. It's actually easier to be a missionary in Guatemala than it is here. Because my people's problems are obvious, our people's problems are hidden. And that's where we go in and we say, you know what, i got to love them. So it's a committed love. It is a humble love. This is who I am. I am a committed lover of Christ and a committed lover of my neighbor. I am a humble lover of Christ and a humble lover of my neighbor. And I am an engaged lover of Christ, an engaged lover of my neighbor. I'm willing to go there with them. Are you willing to go there with them? Are you willing to get into it, and love them, and show them there's a better way, and be present for them when perhaps no one else is present for them? Are you willing to do that? That is our identity in Christ, because Christ was engaged. Now, he engages with us. It's it's amazing. Now, there were some Uh, We have a Hope Center in 10 churches in Nicaragua and just opened a Hope Center in Guatemala. But at our Hope Center in Nicaragua years ago, it was a mess. We have all these ex-drug addicts and all these guys who are ex-gang members living there. And they're sloppy and they're messy. And we got all these ex-prostitutes coming, kids. And it's just a disaster. So one day I blew my stack. Did you ever blow your stack, Eden? Nah, you're too sweet for that. But I blew my stack. I said, everybody, clean this up Now. And CB, the vein was coming out of my forehead, and that means serious business. And everybody cleaned, and it was so nice and clean for the first time in a long time. I said, now we're all going to sit down and eat our dinner together and celebrate. We cleaned. And we eat our dinner, and everybody's happy. It's a great moment. I go outside, and all the garbage bags, somebody's ripped them open and poured the trash out on the floor. And I was like a Muslim on jihad. Jihad. Who did this? Who did this? Do you ever get so mad you're shaking, you can barely talk? My sixth grade principal, he tried to be our PE teacher, and he was yelling at us so bad that his lens fell out of his glasses. Tink, 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 tink. (laughs) I still remember Mr. Earl Heater. I think he had to retire after that because we laughed, and we couldn't stop laughing for days. But I was that mad Earl Heater kind of mad. These little boys come around from the corner, just little guys. And they say, Oh, Brother Paul, it was us, sort of proud. And I'm thinking, Oh. I said, Why in the world would you do that? We were hungry. And you got the best trash in town. And we knew if we had a good chance of eating, it would be at your place. Broke my heart, Jason. I never recovered. It still makes me cry when I think about it. And I said, guys, you know me. All you had to do was tell me you didn't have anything to eat. And you would have come in right to the table and eaten with all of us every meal you needed. You know that. We were ashamed. You see, in our mission field here in Satellite Beach, Melbourne, Patrick, people are ashamed. And we got to be engaged lovers, engaged missionaries, and say, I'm going to show you some light. I'm going to show you the light of the world. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be different. You see, you were born for a reason. I don't believe any one of you is here by accident at all. I believe that God has you here with a phenomenal purpose to go out and tell people about his love by being an example of his love in a humble, engaged, committed way. And that's all we're trying to do in Guatemala. And we can't do it without you. And I thank you again for how you've helped us and are helping us to do that. And Becca's blowing the doors off. But together, we've got a partner for Satellite Beach. And together, we've got a partner to see what God will do here. Because people need Jesus. Amen? Father God, thank you for these, my friends. Thank you for Jason being so kind and having us here today. Thank you for all the families who have helped us out so much. And, Lord, we're just so grateful to you for loving us. You know, you came down to earth and dirtied your hands with us. And it's amazing to think that that's the kind of God you are. You're the God with dirty hands. Not because of your own filth, but because of ours. Not because of your own problems, but ours. Not because of our own shame, but ours. You love us. And, God, we love you. And help us to love our neighbor's. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Paul. Well, as the uh, ushers come forward, this is a time we can give back to God, but it's already his with our tithes and our offerings. And make sure you put your uh, Connect card in the offering plate if you filled it out manually. We're going to follow Jesus as we've just been instructed through the sermon.
1: Follow you.
2: To remain standing as we confess what we believe as we come to this table of love. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. Just reflecting what Paul just said, we are the me, 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 more me. And so we could also talk about our identity in Christ from my point of view. Oh, I love that I am a son of God. I love that I'm redeemed. I love that I'm forgiven. I love that I'm loved with an everlasting love. But here's also your identity, your missionaries of love. God chased you down. You weren't easy to love. And so what does that mean for us as we become missionaries of love? Are you to chase, am I to chase down people that don't know God? Am I to love people that are far from God and are hard to love? This table is the truth of the gospel, that you are far from God That God came from heaven to earth. He chased you down. And he died on a cross for your sins. So you are invited to this table of love. It wasn't an easy work. It was a necessary work for you and your salvation. So God invites all who believe and claim the name of Jesus Christ for their lives to come and receive this Gift of costly love. Let's go to God in prayer.
3: Lord we... Lord, we thank you for this communion meal we are about to take in this place, in this sanctuary, in your presence. Thank you for being here, for being in this sacrament, for opening our eyes and our hearts and our souls that we might recognize you, that we might recognize your love, your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness. We might recognize our purpose in Christ. We thank you that this meal, this sacrament given to us directly from you unites us with believers throughout history. The great cloud of witnesses here with us today too. We're also united with other believers, all believers around the world today, too. Guatemala, India, Africa, Russia, Ukraine. There is power in this sacrament because you are in it. We are united, and we are united more closely with each other. More than a country club or a card club, we are the church of Jesus Christ. We are united with our friends and our covenant partners in Christ. We take this meal together in faith and obedience. Open our eyes that we may see in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
2: Amen. Amen. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. mean. Sure thanks to God, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
3: In the same way, Jesus took the cup with his disciples as he had so many times before, but this time it was different. He said, this cup represents my life given for you, my blood shed for you. Take and drink. Do this in remembrance of
2: me. As the servers come down, let me give you a few instructions. You're going to come down and uh, take the, the bread, take it right here, and then we're going to give you the cup, you can also take that right here as a way to honor and be present to the Lord because the Lord is present with you, and you're invited to put your cup right there on the these black um, bowls at the end of each the servers. So you're invited to come and partake in the Lord's Supper. is all we could ever see. Worthy of all the praise we could ever
1: breathe. Worthy of every breath down just we could ever breathe. Mm-hmm. We live for you. how oh, we live for you.
3: The body of Christ broken for you.
1: Jesus, the name of our body of Christ broken made. for you. The body of Christ broken for you. body
3: of Christ broken for you. Worthy
1: of every breath we okay. could ever breathe.
2: The body of Christ broken for yeah. you. Yeah, we go. I will live for you. How we live for you.
3: body of Christ broken
2: for you. And holy, there is no one like you. There
3: is
1: none beside you. No. The body of Christ broken for you.
3: Show
1: me who you are. The
3: body of Christ broken for you. In
1: your love to those around me. Oh, worthy are you, Lord. Jesus, the name above every other Us, the only one who could ever save, worthy of
0: every
1: breath we could ever, ever breathe, we live, breathe. live for you, First. oh, we live for you, worthy, worthy of every song we could ever see. all the praise we could ever breathe, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, oh, we live for you, Jesus. And holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you, you open up my eyes, Oh,
2: because you were first loved by God. Go be a missionary of love because Christ was first a missionary of love to you. Even when you were far away from God, even when you are rebelling against God, God still loved you. Church family, I want to encourage you to linger a little bit. We have an impromptu uh, early lunch there in uh, the Fellowship Hall, the apartment live. Jeff and Sandy Banth threw a party yesterday. And the party's still overflowing to us today. So there's some food out there. Uh, grab a, oh. grab a, a table just to linger a bit. Uh, it's too hot outside anyway, right? <laughs> Go forth in the love of God, the fellowship of the Spirit, and the power and the love of Jesus Christ all the days of your life, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.